0: Coming in as Lube, Billie Schneiderman, and that scores. Maddie McDonald. And over at that Flame bench, there's all kinds of excitement going on
1: there. Scores. Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing,
2: Flame.
3: Is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: All right, let's get this hour going. It is Wednesday, November 29th, with the returning Aaron Vickers. Welcome back to Flames Talk. For Mister Vickers, my name is Pat Steinberg. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by copy Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Com. Hello, Vic.
1: Patrick, how are we doing?
0: Doing very well, and um, want to bring you in on a, in a conversation that we spent a good chunk of Tuesday's show talking about, and that is just looking back at the first quarter of the season. Flames are 22 in, 60 to go. We didn't get to everything on Tuesday's show, that's for sure. So I wanted to just kind of Maybe a little more rapid fire on some of these things, but wanted to continue taking a look at some of the observations we've had from the, the first quarter ish of the season. Let's start on the positive side. Curious as to some of the different positive surprises that you could point to on this team to start the year. There's been a lot of negative surprises. I don't know if people saw the power play getting worse, I don't know if people saw Jonathan Huberto's point pace getting worse. I don't know if people saw you know some of the other things that have not you know some of the the just egregious giveaways that we saw in the first part of the season but let's do some positive surprises and we can kind of just uh bounce one on, one off of one another and keep going back and forth with them but i'm gonna i'm gonna start with uh a j greer uh boy has that been a surprise and a positive one um a j greer has been awesome for this team and I did not know what to expect from him when he first got here, but man, for a guy that a lot of people were talking about his toughness and, you know, what that could bring to the team, he's brought a whole hell of a lot more than just that. He's brought some offense. He's turned into one of the best interviews on the team. Like AJ Greer has been awesome on this group, and I think that's got to be one of their best waiver pickups. In the last 20 years, name a waiver guy who has stepped in and made this type of an impact in his role and has clearly just become a regular, no questions asked.
1: I did not expect A.J. Greer to be as productive as he has through the first quarter of the season. I don't think anybody necessarily has. If you would have went back to the day he was claimed off waivers from the Boston Bruins, found money for the Calgary Flames to a degree, which really was a lot is result of... A couple of injuries up front. I don't know if the Calgary Flames necessarily would have reached out to the waiver wire if they had a full contingent of players that weren't injured. Thinking of Kevin Rooney, thinking about Jacob Jacob Pelletier. And so A.J. Greer comes in and scores four goals in 21 games. Four goals, eight points in 21 games. And we heard from Ryan Huska talking about in limited ice time. He's third on the team in points per sixty minutes at two point three four, behind only Connor Zary and Andrew Maniapani. Fifth in goals per sixty minutes, behind Pospisil, Coleman, Zary, and Ruzicka. Like, talk about providing everything you need out of a fourth liner: the energy, the grit, the toughness, and then you layer on a little bit of sneaky production on top of it been great for the Calgary Flames. Here so far.
0: was uh, head coach Ryan Huska was asked about Greer when he spoke with us after practice on Wednesday because it's been a real good story so far.
1: He plays the hard game. I think that's maybe the best way to put it for me. Like his details are very good defensively. You think of people that block shots on our team from our forward group. It's AJ and it's Blake Coleman um and he understands who he is so he's a very straight line player that goes to the net hard he he knows what he has to bring to the game and i think a lot of that comes from where he came from we've talked before about the the organizations that he's come from um, where he understands um, in order for him to stay in the lineup how do i have to play the game and he's come here and he's done a really good job at that. But he's comfortable playing hard hockey. And that's really what we need. So for me, he drives that line. And when he's doing it the right way, he's a guy that we can bump up as well.
0: Yeah, and he got bumped up in the Vegas game. Moved onto a line with Codring and Dubé when they shortened the bench a little bit. So yeah, he's he's been a real positive surprise that I was not expecting. And and also, like, just listen, this is post-game on Monday. He joined us and scores the game tying goal. I just find the guy like he always, it's not just that he gives you long answers, but I find him very much like uh, a guy like Coleman or like, just when you listen, you always learn something and you always know you're getting a lot of authenticity with what he's saying. I remember he joined us after the, the uh, heritage classic when they lost and he's like, Fans, please stick with us. Like we're gonna get there. And yep, like it's yep. like, damn, this is really good stuff. And this was I just asked him about another comeback win and and uh listen to him. This is just one example of this guy's turned into a real good spokesman for the team as well.
3: It's great because we we've come back so many times this year already and and it just shows uh how committed we are to to stick into the process and and playing a sixty minute game. Um you know, a one-goal lead is, is, uh, isn't is a great lead coming into the third, and it's hard to protect once we, uh, you know, we put the pressure on. Um, but, again, everyone kind of believed, and I think that's kind of a pattern that you're seeing right now with our group, is that, uh, you know, uh, we, we might have slow starts, but at the end of the day we get the, the, the job done and and, and we believe, and, and that's all that you you need as a team, as an athlete, um, and, and that's all you need in sports is belief in yourself and in the group.
0: And let's not forget that's his second language he is uh francophone yeah. he is francophone as a first language and uh his first language en français and and his English is immaculate every once in a while you'll pick up a little bit of a of an accent on it but like he's given you these articulate and really deep answers in his second language and i i, I he's just turned into a, a really good spokesman for the team as well and um, yeah, I, I was interested in it when they put him when they claimed him on waivers. I, okay. I, it's not like I knew a lot about him, but he was a guy that I remember, um, a lot of people in Denver talking about when he was a member of the avalanche and a lot of people like, yeah, watch out for AJ Greer. And it, it didn't necessarily materialize in Colorado. And then he was in Boston last year. They claim him on waivers. I was interested, was not expecting this. So that would be uh that would be surprise number one for me. What about you? I'm going to go with Jacob Markstrom, and I know the numbers just from a
1: overview perspective aren't going to blow anybody away. He's got a 2.93 goals against average 901 save percentage this season. But for me, he's been the Calgary Flames best player to this date, and he was a really important key factor in one of those guys finding a way to bounce back after a disastrous season last year. For me, he's done just that he's in the 90th percentile and high danger, save percentage. So when the Calgary flames cough something up and it's high danger and Chris Tanev isn't there to block it with his face, <laughs> Jacob Markstrom has answered the bell more often than not for the Calgary flames. For me, he's been the biggest year over year turnaround just from the sheer eye test. And he's really given the Calgary flames that true number one goalie. again.
0: Okay, can I push back on that one a little yeah, bit? Yeah,
1: I've had her. I'm because I got a few. I'm going to push back on you. So yeah, fire away.
0: Is it, w- would that be a surprise for you that that it's happened? Because I remember talking in the summer about how kind of we we expected him to get back to a different level and and to more of a level that is. Yeah, you know what, that's a, that's, a, to,
1: that's a fair comment, but until you do it, you haven't done it, so to speak. And I know throughout the summer, at least on the text line, I don't know what your social media was like, but there was a lot of pushback on Jacob true. March yeah. Markstrom being able, and again, nobody ever expected him to get back to that Vesna trophy nominee type numbers where you're having a 920 save percentage and a 220 goals against average or whatever he, he finished up with. But the sheer fact that he's quieted a lot of that narrative, to me is a positive step for the Calgary Flames.
0: That's fair. And I mean, I I don't disagree with the rest of it. I think he's been one of their best players. I think his save percentage and record doesn't necessarily reflect how well he's played, how he's kept his team in games. Uh, And if this continues, it was good to talk with him on Wednesday and he's feeling a whole lot better than he was on Monday when he couldn't go. So you can expect him to get the start Thursday against the Dallas Stars. Um, Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. He's been... I guess it was just more something that I was expecting, you know?
1: Fair enough. I I I don't uh I don't fault you for that because there's gonna be one on your list that I'm gonna say for the exact same reasons, I think. So I'll let you go next. Maybe it'll be the one, maybe it won't, but we'll get there. Is it Blake Coleman? It is Blake Coleman. The
0: only surprise that I have on the Blake Coleman front is that he's actually been able to raise his level. And why that's a surprise is because I didn't know that he was playing through some lingering stuff that was kind of holding him back for his first two seasons as a member of the flames. And prior to this season, I would have said the exact same thing then that I'm about to say now that every second that he's been with this team, he's been a home run signing. He has done exactly what they signed him to do. Be a great two way player, add some secondary offense and be a good leader in that room. He has checked all three of those boxes and then some. So I guess what I'm surprised at is that I've been such a big appreciator of his game through the first two seasons with the flames. And he's actually been able to ramp it to another level. And he says that he's playing closer to hundred percent than he has in years. And so that would be why I'm surprised by it. Cause I didn't know that. And so I wasn't necessarily expecting uh, uh, another level from Blake. Cause He's at that stage in his career where he is what he is. He's been, you know, he's 32 years old. Exactly. Right. There's nothing wrong with being thirty-two. No, that's not old. But there usually isn't a lot of
1: runway for massive jumps. You don't
0: see, you don't see ramps up a lot for guys who are 32. And we're seeing that with Blake Coleman. And you know what? I guess I shouldn't be surprised because Michael Backlund just did it. Mm -hmm. And those two guys profile in very, very similar ways. But i'm I'm really impressed, so that would be a that would be why I'm surprised by
1: it. Now, from the eye test, I think he's more noticeable, more impactful on a shift by shift basis and a game by game basis, but he's still only on pace for twenty two goals and forty four points. And when you said you know he's as he's delivering as expected, I think the expectation is a twenty twenty season out of Blake Coleman when he's firing it on all cylinders and he's at a hundred percent health, and so he's right in the neighborhood of that, so for me. This is kind of what I've expected, at least from a production standpoint, and uh, even touching him on the 200-foot game and the defensive zone responsibilities, I think his penalty kill has taken another step. Not that it wasn't adequate before, but I think he's just finding more ways to touch the game, I guess, is how I would describe it. So for me, it's sort of the same as, as Jacob Markstrom in terms of, well, was it a surprise? Well, he's certainly looking better than he has. But I don't think that it was completely unexpected, these, these numbers and these projections, to, to necessarily be out of the wheelhouse of a Blake Coleman. So that's where I'm coming from, from the same sort right. of angle, perhaps, that you're coming from the Jacob Markstrom. Now let's go completely off the board with surprises because I'm going to lump these two players in together. If you want to dissect them individually or together, I'm, I'm okay with either. But just the kids coming up from the Calgary Wranglers, Connor Zary, Martin Pospisil, and having the immediate impacts that they've had, I don't think I necessarily would have projected it even 6 months ago when Connor Zery was playing on the 4th line in a playoff game yeah. for the Calgary Wranglers or even They're coming out of training camp.
0: Game of the year.
1: Absolutely. People. And so for all of a sudden those two players to get the opportunity in the NHL and not just dip a toe in but steal jobs and become NHL regulars to this point, to the point where Connor Zery is second among rookies in points per game behind Connor Bedard. I didn't have that for Connor's area, and I certainly didn't have Martin Pospisil coming in and producing at half a point per game. I know his first five games or so, he had four points, so the production hasn't necessarily been there over the course of the past couple of weeks or so, but he's to me, he's still finding ways to be impactful. He's still using his speed. He's still using his size. He's still creating. I wouldn't have necessarily thought that these two prospects would be the rookies leading the way for the Calgary Flames.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's I I I will not push back on that one because I a lot of things surprise me when it comes to these two guys. A that they're, you know, I'm with you. I don't know if I would have telegraphed that in September that these would be the the rookies that are leading the way for the Flames or or that are leading the way for rookies on this team and having the type of impact they're having. And on top of that, I would not have seen them making the impact as quickly as they did in both cases almost immediately. Yeah. both scored in their first game. Zary, Zary, second this shift. offense. yeah, second shift. I think Pospisil was like his third shift. and wasn't it the first shot of the game for the Flames or his first NHL shot? Yeah. um And it's not just that they had offense going. like I saw Ben Hanowski score a goal in his first game too. A little bit different. These guys jumped in and were immediately brash enough. And I don't say that in a in a negative, negative way. They were brash enough and confident enough to play the same way at the NHL level. No toe dipping, no timidness, no kind of hesitancy. It was... Connor Zary dangling around three Dallas stars in his first NHL game. It was Martin Pospisil going to the front of the net and scoring his first NHL goal in his first NHL game in Seattle. It was these guys jumped in as if they're like, oh yeah, I was made to play in the NHL. This is, I'm just going to go be the same guy that I was with the Wranglers or I was in junior. And, and so that has also been a surprise because a lot of times, unless you're a high end, well, I think one overall pick, it takes time to be able to be that guy.
1: I think if you go back to September 1, we all would have talked about Matt Coronado being that player and Jacob Peltier being that player. And of course, Jacob Peltier got hurt in the preseason and Matt Coronado struggled to produce in his first sort of audition and is now with the Wranglers and lighting up the American Hockey League. And there will be some debate about when is his time to come back up. But in the meantime, you've got Pospisil and Zeri basically going, all right, well, we're pushing guys out of the lineup because we're not relinquishing this spot. We're everyday NHLers, at least as it stands, on November 29th, and there's been no reason to remove one or the other from the lineup, in my opinion. I didn't have that with those two names on the bingo card when the season got underway.
0: Yeah. Uh, what would be next for me on the... One more positive surprise for me. I'll I'll go Nazem Kadri, and what I mean by that is... I don't know if I would have telegraphed the type of turnaround we've seen from him with what I saw in the first, I don't know, 10, 10 games, games of the year. Nazem Kadri looked a lot like the guy that was suffering a lot of slings and arrows down the stretch last year. And, and you're one of the highest paid players on the team. You're number two in your AAV. That comes along with the territory. And he was at times frustrating in the second half of last season, especially after the all-star break. And he was one of the frustrating, not the only one, but one of the frustrating players early in the season. And then all of a sudden it turned and it turned in a big way in to the extent that as we go into their next game, it'll be the last game in November against the Dallas Stars. And he's been the best player on the team at least the best skater on the team in the month of November. He's been producing. He's been driving his line. He's been setting the tone. He's been the type of player that you hate playing against all of a sudden. Like Nazim Kadri has looked like a difference maker all November long. And so... I don't know if I saw it coming to the dramatic extent that it has. And damn, that's been a real big, real big positive for the Flames. I don't think there's any coincidence that they're going to finish November with a much better record. Whatever happens against the Stars, they're going to finish November with a much better record than they had in October.
1: Yeah, and the splits on him are are pretty dramatic. What was it? One assist in the first eight games? And now he's got 13 points in the remaining 14 games. So if he can continue to be close to that point-per-game player. And even... In that very, very, I don't, I don't want to say public because clearly all stats are public, but he was a very big talking point through the first couple of weeks of the season with his lack of production. Just simply because you are paid $7 million and you had one point through the opening eight games of the season or whatever it was. But even then he didn't hit the panic button because he's like, well, if you, you know, the chances are coming, I just need to get one to get two to get three and, and. You know, what? it's funny, true to his word. He was still in the top 90th percentile in basically all high-danger metrics. And you get the couple of kids on his line, first Zeri and then Pospisil coming up. Sharon Govic played a role in it as well. And now all of a sudden he's starting to produce. So if he can keep up that pace. And again, looking at the 100-foot view, he's on pace for fewer goals and fewer points than he was a season ago. But at the same time, over the course of the last 14 or so games, he has been an impact maker for the Calgary Flames.
0: Uh, you got one more? I do.
1: Okay, hit me. And I don't think it'd be fair to leave this individual out. Mackenzie Weger. Five goals in 22 games. He's on pace for 19 goals. He only had four last season with the Calgary Flames. Career high, I believe, is eight. He's three away from his career high already, and we're only a quarter through the season. On pace for 19. He, he might be knocking on the door of a 20-goal season. And it was something that I think we expected him to elevate his offense in year two. Year one was very much an adjustment period. He'd, he'd admit he didn't feel comfortable until somewhere around the All Star break or at least post Christmas, settled into a rhythm, elevated his game. Now, for me, he's taken his offensive game to the next level. And I think a lot of it goes back to the World Championship where he was the Calgary, or Calgary, pardon me, he was Canada's number one defenseman, the World Championship, put up three goals and 11 points in 10 games. I think he's managed to carry that momentum over. And I think he's really helped that number one pairing with Rasmus Anderson give Calgary a true number one look.
0: Plan on his offside again too. Yep. I, I like the way that he has really he started to assert himself offensively in the second half of last season. And it became really noticeable how assertive he was on the offensive side of things. And he's carried that over and even taken it to another level this year. So that's been a real positive for the group as well. I agree. Uh, So there you go. Some uh, positive surprises for the flames through the first part of this season, the first quarter of this season, there was um, one piece of roster news on this Wednesday don't know if we were necessarily expecting it, but up comes Jordan Osterley practices with the team on Wednesday as the number seven defenseman. He went down to the American League, and, you know, the conversations we've had with Trent Call, the head coach of the Wranglers, we have him on every Monday here on Flames Talk, and, you know, I, I know how highly he spoke of Osterley, who went down there, played in 12 games with the Wranglers, and had eight assists. He was a very important member of their team. Um, Nick simone has been sent back. Osterly called up and uh, had a chance to speak a little bit with Jordan today, and and he he feels like going down there was really important for him as he comes back onto the main team.
2: I enjoyed my time down there. Um, obviously, uh, you know I wasn't going down there to you know s- sail off into the sunset. I wanted to go work on what I needed to and um, and come back up with purpose. and And I thought I did uh, I did a good job. And you know what, I was one of those young guys down there. Um, seven eight years ago down there so i just tried to um help those young guys out as much as i could and uh you know i had fun when you, when you go
0: down i mean obviously it's not the news that you want but what's what's important in going down there with uh, the right
2: attitude yeah i think just going down there to get better um using it as kind of not a step behind but just a step to kind of go down and reevaluate my play and um, kind of use it to work on things I needed to, and um, you know I thought I did I did I did that, and I thought it was very successful.
0: How much How much better are you feeling now that uh, you're back here? Do you feel like you
2: are yeah. taking some steps. Yeah, I definitely do. Uh, you know what I think a lot of it maybe uh, you know opportunity to play a lot more, get some other nice time. So. Uh, you know, before then, I was kind of in and out of the lineup through the first eleven games. So, um, go down there and, and get into a rhythm, and um, like I've said before, just work on things that I needed to, and uh, it was good.
0: There's uh, Jordan Osterley who spoke after being recalled. See if he gets back into the lineup. I know that Ryan Huska talked about how you know his skating's a really big asset, as we know. And you wonder if coming up against some pretty good skating teams in this next stretch, you know, there's Colorado and then uh, uh, Vancouver. You wonder if maybe uh, Osterley does get himself back into the lineup and, and get some time once again.
1: Yeah, it would have been very easy for a 31-year-old to pout about being demoted to the American Hockey League, especially seeing so many young players come up. You wonder if and when is your turn next, but he went down handled his business worked on some areas of this game that you know needed to be addressed if he was going to come back
0: to the NHL level did just that and now he's earned a recall uh the spirit of giving is back this holiday season with the mustard seed and sportsnet 960 the fan here's what we're doing we're teaming up with the uh, great people at the mustard seed again and uh this is this is a really crucial time for the mustard seed in collecting goods for the coming year and this is a really important 30, 35 day stretch, whatever it is, uh, to, to help people in this city who, and, and as we know all all across North America, it's the, the, the poverty levels and the troubles that a lot of really, really hardworking people have faced over the last two, three years have, have just increased. And, you know, for the time being doesn't seem like it's getting any easier. So for those of us who can help, um, we we would really really appreciate if you could and and all we're asking for is some really simple donations things like underwear socks boots things personal hygiene items like ra- razors toothbrushes deodorant these things are not just needed but they're desperately needed by our friends at the mustard seeds so what we're doing is We've got a drop-off location here in our downtown studio on 7th Ave Southwest, and we've also got every McManus Auto Group member who, is serving as, uh, who are serving as, as drop-off locations as well. If you can drop those things off new, things off that would just go such a long way for the year 2024 and the mustard seed will collect hand off to the mustard seed and they'll distribute over the next 12 months um all the details at sportsnet.ca slash 960 thanks to the mcmanus auto group for being a part of this as well for a full list of addresses go to sportsnet.ca slash 960 talking your team right now
3: Flames talk is on sportsnet 960 the fan
0: All right, as a Wednesday edition of the program continues, let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op, where life's in store. It's a Wednesday. We go inside hockey as we do most Wednesdays with our buddy Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. It's time to spin around the Pacific Division with our Pacific Division insider. Hello, Mr. Davis. How are we today?
3: Pat, we're doing great. How are
0: you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Let's uh, let's dive right in because uh, what we're doing six Pacific Division teams today that we're looking at, and uh, I don't know how we couldn't start with Los Angeles because the Kings, hottest team in the NHL, or one of them. And uh, geez, you don't want the LA Kings coming into your building right now, do you?
3: You don't. They are like a pistol right now. I mean, you know, I mean to see them number one number one offense, number one goaltending, number one penalty kill, number one five-on-five, on five. Uh, those are some pretty darn good numbers and kind of explains why the L.A. Kings are, are are where they are. I mean, you know, you take out the first two games of the season, and I think you're what, they're at 13-2-1. I mean, the record's already very impressive. Um, you know, the crazy thing for me, Pat, is that you, know, you look at this team that's number one. Goals for per game, but you've got a guy like Adrian Kempe who scored 76 goals the last two years. In fact, he's 43rd in the league, and it kind of tells you about the depth that uh, this team has.
0: Yeah, they uh, they have been a remarkably difficult team to play against so far. Uh, they've won and they and and they're rolling right now. Like it's not like it's not like they uh, aren't one of the. They've won five in a row. I think they're eight one and one in their last ten. Like. Group as they uh, come off a three-day break, they're they're playing some damn good hockey.
3: They are now, Debbie Downer, uh, and let's play. Let, let, let's let's uh, you know we built them up, so let's kind of tear them down. And say, well, is, it, is this is this real or fugazi? You know, as we, as uh, some people like to say. And the only thing, look, the only thing you can do, you can only play. Obviously, who's on your schedule, but it hasn't been the toughest schedule of late. And, and granted, and they've beaten all those teams and the numbers are great. I'm just, I'm really interested, Pat, just to see what happens. They've got this uh, road trip coming up, you know, they've won nine in a row, but, uh, you know, they've got Colorado coming up and then it's the Rangers and, uh, you know, so they've got some tougher teams coming up. I'm just, I, w- I want to see what happens because early on in the year when, you know, when they were struggling teams. Though I will say, Pat, for me, the game that I think has turned this team around was actually a shootout loss at home to Vegas. That's where I started the season, especially from Cam Talbot, uh, where this team was making the turn.
0: Well, and, and let's let's talk about Vegas. Cause, so right now, Vegas is on top of the Pacific Division with 32 points One up on Vancouver at 31. There's Los Angeles lurking two and three points back, but they've got three games in hand, uh, four games in hand on both those teams. And all of a sudden, the Golden Knights struggling. We saw them in here on Monday, and they lose 2-1 on a shootout to the Flames. Couldn't score. And they go into Edmonton the following night. They uh, weren't able to get the job done there, albeit, again, uh, are able to get that thing to extra time. What are we seeing from the Golden Knights right now who have lost seven of their last ten?
3: Pat, we had a conversation early in the year and talking about Vegas. I think I remember telling you about a conversation I had with some people that were close to the team. And I think that uh, I look back, I think back to that conversation. I think back to – you know, I look back at a quote from Jonathan Marchiso from Saturday night after their loss to Arizona where he said, you know, teams are ready for us. We're measuring stick for everybody. been a little sleepy. And uh, he called Saturday night's loss unnecessary. But Sleepy has been the word I mean uh, they they play a couple they played two really good games this year they they I, we've talked about it before they beat Dallas at home three to two, and they were missing half their blue line core and then they beat Colorado in Vegas seven nothing, um, albeit on a night where they gave up over forty shots um, but they've just been sleepy, and it just seems that they're they're trying to win. On town Tal- alone, just say, I, I watched the Vegas game, and, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on your air. I was actually watching the Vegas broadcast. I was not watching, listening to Rick Ball uh, and, and company that night. But what was the perspective from the Calgary side on the game winning goal and the play at the blue line?
0: So the fact that they didn't challenge?
3: No, the fact that Vegas felt it was interference, that there was a pick thrown on Petro. Oh, I they felt I never went back
0: so so you're talking about like as the as Uyghur entered the offensive zone?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um I didn't know if that ever came up on your broadcast. I never went back to listen.
0: We uh we didn't talk like there there were a couple questions about why Vegas didn't challenge that for offside. Um yeah. but actually had not been brought up that it might have been a missed interference, that's for sure. Uh,
3: okay. Yeah, I kind of watched the Penguins game last night and felt that the Penguins. I mean, they were furious about on um, the Philip Forsberg goal. It was kind of like deja vu. But I was, yeah, I was just interested. Um, I,
0: I saw I saw that. Then I saw uh, a bunch of uh, anti—I I believe it was Preds fans who were then um, posting pictures of. This cup final in Pittsburgh, not pictures, but videos of the cup <laughs> final between Pittsburgh and Nashville when there was a goal that was scored by Kessel and Evgeny Malkin like clearly tripped and interfered with Forsberg. And people like, yeah, well, okay, you guys did this. I was like, Oh boy, geez, the the Pittsburgh Nashville rivalry is still alive and well.
3: There are a lot of long memories in Nashville. That's great. i love that.
0: Yeah. I um okay, back to the Golden Knights. They yeah. uh boy. Calgary's Logan Thompson. Um, he just cannot he can't pick up a win, but he also is getting no run support.
3: Yeah, I mean, if he could play offense, you know, that that may be next. There's only been five goals that they scored for him. You know, like last night was a was an outburst for for Vegas, you know, after being down four two uh to Edmonton. And then they get two goals from, you know, unlikely sources in in Ben Hutton and Keegan Colasar. Uh, but, you know, like Mark Stone, he did score last night, but it's only two and ten. And, you know, William Carlson has, has struggled. And, you know, uh, Bruce Cassidy juggled the lines a little bit. I, I, I'm not surprised by any of this, Pat. I, I, I still think that there is, you know, look, they're also missing, you know, again, they're missing Theodore, who's going to be, you know, had surgery today. And he's going to be out for a while. Martinez is out. Um I I wouldn't be too concerned there. You know, they just kind of seem to be trying to win on talent alone. So I, I, and there's enough talent there. I I don't get too concerned about the golden Knights because I don't think that there are things that, you know, you watch their game and it's not like they're they're running around and that's why they're getting beat. I I think that it's, as Marcia so said, they're just a little sleepy and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to just do enough, uh, to win, and, and a lot of times that's not good enough.
0: We are chatting with Jonathan Davis. He's our Pacific Division insider from NHL Network. NHL Network Radio joins us Wednesdays. Uh, so LA to Vancouver, let's pop up to Vancouver. Sorry, LA to Vegas. Now let's pop up to Vancouver. Who uh, I, I know how much goal differential is a big-time stat for you that you track, and there are the Canucks leading the NHL with a plus 34 differential.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you're, you know, and that's number one in the NHL. I mean, that's, that's very impressive. And so, yeah, that is a big stat for me. And then, you know, you look at the other numbers with this team. You know, you've got with Besser's leading the league in scoring, or with goals, and, and Miller and, and Hughes are two and three in scoring. And there's a lot of, again, you know, they had another, they had a solid performance last night. They had the Staker in San Jose, you know, a couple of nights ago where they lost four or three. Um, but you know, more, more times than not, we're, we're seeing more good things with Vancouver. Again, the only thing that bothers me is that I, I still, I, 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 need to see more. Like I, I, have, I'm not fully bought into the, the Canucks. I and mean, I, I sent I sent you in the notes, I mean, there's three and five versus teams currently in a playoff spot, you know, wins over Dallas and St. Louis and Florida. And I'm not really, you know, I, I mean, I'm not too worried about St. Louis, as a, you know, down the road. And then the losses to Colorado and the Rangers and the Leafs, Tampa, and, and Philly. Um, you know, I, I just, I want to see them, I want to see more from them against the better teams. Uh, but right now, they're doing it. There's a lot to like in Vancouver. Um, I, again, I'm not trying to rain on their parade here by any stretch. But I don't know, Pat, like to me, you know, I, I'm buying in on the Rangers right now. All in on, on on the Rangers. I'm I'm in on, on the LA Kings. I want you know I, I still think that you know they've got to make sure that they do have themselves a backup goalie, and that Phoenix Coyote can do the job. But right now, I I, I I don't think there are a lot of like just teams right now that I, I I would put my finger on to say that they are a true cup contender. There are a lot of serious playoff contenders, and I put Vancouver in that in in that category.
0: Okay. Um. What, uh, Am I being mean? no, <laughs> I'm just being a no, I'm still, I'm still jury out. Like I, I give them a lot of credit for what they've done and, and they certainly have exceeded all expectations for me, but I'm still jury out. Yeah. I'm still somewhat skeptical on, on that team. Um, they do, they do have a lot of home games coming up though, which will be interesting to see. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, take, take advantage of, of, you know, take advantage of the schedule. I mean, now it's not easy. I mean, it's it's Vegas, it's New Jersey, it's Carolina, it's Florida, it's Tampa. Um, so you know, there, there's going to be some bigger tests there along the way. And okay, after they get through that homestand, you know, let, you know, if they come out of it and and can earn, you know, let's say you know sixty percent of the points, then then great. Then I, I that's a good thing. Um... Then I'm buying in.
0: In Edmonton, we we know that they've struggled. We also know that they look like they might be turning a corner, specifically on the offensive side of things, they might be turning a corner. Um, Okay, so the playoffs are, are still a little ways away from them, but also the playoff cut line may be, oh, you know, like, 13 or 14 points less than we're kind of used to the the, the old yeah. the old projected cut line seems like a, a lot of uh just kind of average weekend golfers might be able to make it
3: <laughs> no joke. and i think that pity party in, in, in calgary has to slow down a little i mean you know look we thought probably about you know two or three weeks ago that they were gonna have to play probably at around a 650 clip, but you know, 82 points may be good enough to get in, and that means they're going to have to play at about a 540 point. And look, Nashville is on a heater right now, six in a row. I, I'm still, again, like, it's great. I'm still not buying that that's a team that I'm really concerned about. But they're banking points right now, and, and Edmonton does have to climb over five teams, and that's never easy. But it's not like they've got to f- climb over five, you know, uh, Superstar teams, and usually when you're where they are, where they are, that's that's usually the case. But, yeah, the numbers are, are pretty bad. I mean, it's interesting, Pat. I went back, and I and I tweeted something out earlier in the week, and I was looking at when was the last time that, you know, we needed so few points to get in. and I think if I can find the tweet, it actually wasn't This was, to me. I think that's even the last anyway, seven
0: can we just, uh, can we, Cam, can we just drop Jonathan for a second and reconnect with him uh, just so that we can get a, a, a better connection there? Uh, that happens with the old cell phone sometimes. He's clearly not using Rogers Wireless in, uh, in, in California. Um, Verizon, what are you doing? T-Mobile, you're garbage. We can say that because they're American. Uh, I can say these things without getting in trouble. And you know what, Sprint, get out of here. Uh, well, I don't know what other U.S. Min providers? Mobile, Ryan Reynolds. No, we won't. We won't. No, he's a good guy. That's a good. That's a good one. I was just trying. To what product. are some of the other U.S. providers? I don't know. Sprint, T-Mobile, Verizon, JD. What are you on? What's what is your garbage mobile provider here?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's Verizon. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm in a bad spot. I hope they're I'm not, not really a sponsor. Shy. But what I was. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, they're
0: yeah, not, not our but sponsors. what I was
3: saying. <laughs> Right, but what I was saying, so yeah, I'm looking back on it. Like, you, you go back to, like, it was 19, I think, that's like, my glasses is very good, 1998-99. I mean, the Oilers got in with 78 points. Um, you know, the last time that we had a team that got in with a really low number, you got it, I mean, 2015-16, the Wild had 87. But, you know, Edmonton's got, you know, Edmonton's got a shot to make it in with 82 points this year. Huh. It's, it's not as tall a task as we thought it was a couple of weeks ago.
0: What, uh, what are we seeing from McDavid David, Connor McDavid of the last little bit?
3: <laughs> oh, I think he's kind of gone on a bit of a heater, Pat. I mean, you know, two weeks ago, he was 99th in scoring and, and now he's 10th. Um, so, yeah, I think that, uh, I think someone, you know, they woke him up and what, 15 points in the last three games. Uh, those are some pretty good numbers, and they also explain why the Oilers find themselves in a slightly better position. Uh,
0: a couple more teams with Jonathan Davis, our Pacific Division insider. Let's go to the, the red-hot San Jose Sharks. They've won two in a row. They're
3: they're on a heater. They're on a roll, Pat. That's a San Jose heater.
2: Um, it, it
3: is. I mean, you know, that, that's like a 10-game win streak for, for some. But, you know, I was look, looking through the numbers, and, and here's the scary thing, Pat. They're 0-9 on the road, and that's where they're going to be for the, for the next little while. I think it's eight of their next nine games are on the road, and their only home game is Winnipeg. Pat, they've been outscored 39-6 on the road. <laughs> they've been shut out three times, and six of the other games, they scored one goal each. Uh, yeah, this is not uh this this could be a way to put an end to that uh, exciting two game win streak, I, about, you know. Those are some pretty ugly ugly numbers. I couldn't believe it when, when I saw those coming off the page.
0: How about the the one California team 9 for 9 on the road and the other one in No Cal is <laughs> 0 for 9 on the road in San Jose. That's don't think don't don't think you see that very often. Um and then finally in California, what yeah. uh is, is Anaheim have they Are they falling or have they completely crashed down back to earth?
3: Well, I mean, it looks like they've definitely got themselves into a major fender bender. I mean, you know, it was a great story when you, you know, when you had the six come from behind victories, but (sighs) You know, the flip side is is that you can't keep putting yourself into that position. And then, you know, you look at some of the other numbers with this team, and are they really sustainable? I mean, you know, Leo Carlson's been a great story in Anaheim. But he's got a shooting percentage around 20. I mean, like, that's just not going to stay. And, you know, Troy Terry, you know, has gone, what, 11 or 12 games now without a goal. Uh, and three of his goals, three of his five goals, that was a hat trick against the Flyers. And so... Yeah, we're we're seeing a lot of leveling off. You know, the, as I said, the shooting numbers like for Toronto, at just under eighteen percent, and McTavish seventeen percent. Um, so yeah, I mean, in Lucas Dostal, you know, that that game against Edmonton, I mean, the, the the Ducks put you know hung them out to dry that night with you know there were three breakaways, McDavid, Kane, and Nugent Hopkins. I mean, it's just not fair. And uh, so yeah, I, I think we are, but you know. the, the the, the, I mean, for me, the Anaheim Ducks were, were going to this season challenging for nothing. That was realistic. We just got very excited when they got off to the start that they did. But I think that you know, uh, you know, they're they're not as bad as their their current losing streak, and they're just never as, they weren't as good as their yeah. six game win streak. Great
0: stuff as always, JD. Well, Appreciate the time. We'll uh, take another spin around the Pacific next week. Hey, thanks for doing this.
3: No problem. I'll see about getting a new phone company, you know, a new <laughs> cell phone company.
0: Yeah. See, we can do that. It's not competition. here in the States. We're okay doing that. Uh, thank you, JD. Right. Yeah, all right. Take care, bud. Uh, I think if I were to do that in this country, I, I feel like I might it might uh, being owned by a mobile carrier. I feel like it might be a telecommunications company. There might be a conflict of interest. But I can rip on Verizon all I want. <laughs> I think. We'll find as out. one does. Uh, that'll do it. Jonathan Davis, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio. Inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary. Top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you. Only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today. He's Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Thanks to Taylor and Cam, our producers this hour as well. We start to wrap things up this hour on Flames Talk. This hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe, this Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.